I'm Martin Shipton, Chief Reporter of Media Wales, and you're listening to my podcast, Martin Shipton Meets. It's Martin Shipton, and today I'm with Paul Flynn, the MP for Newport West and stalwart of the House of Commons. Paul uh, has recently announced that he's going to be standing down uh, from the House of Commons for health reasons, but I thought it would be a good idea to have a chat with him to get his reflections on his time at Westminster and to see what he thinks about the current political situation, particularly in the light of Brexit. So, Paul, you were actually, before you became an MP, you were, of course, a Gwent County councillor, weren't you? I was indeed, yes. Georgian and Ormsby. That's right. And I think there's something here, isn't there, about the fact that you got involved, didn't you get involved in politics because you weren't happy about the fact that at the school of uh, one of your children, they were being taught the Welsh National Anthem in English? An extraordinary thing in that uh, suddenly there was no Welsh in the school whatsoever. You know, it was a second language, uh, English being taught, but no one, there was no teaching in Welsh. I mean, I'd been campaigning for Welsh language education for years. They suggested this is, uh, you know, kowtowing to the uh, the Tories, and uh, I, I was actually delighted about this uh, suggestion that was a good reason to learn Welsh in uh, in a school in Wales. Now, where I would have thought we two language uh, society that it should be uh, obvious that we need to speak both languages rather than one. But anyway, it, it stirred me into uh, starting a campaign for a Welsh school. Because I think there has been in Wales, hasn't there, in some quarters, including actually in the Labour Party, quite a bit of resistance to the Welsh language. Uh, there always was, unfortunately. The language became politicised and uh, people associated Welsh with Fried Cymru. But it was, uh, it was unfortunate in damaging to the language. If you start to curse the language as a political opponent, uh, you you end up uh, not appreciating the value of uh, a second language. And the only way of, uh, at that time, of learning a language in Wales uh, fluently as a second language was to learn Welsh. There was no other languages on offer. But anyway, it's, uh, over the years it's developed and uh, people have begun to see the, the great value of uh, Second languages and third languages and fourth languages. We, we're now recognising the great value of uh, an ancient language, uh, one of the most ancient in, in the British Isles, and it's now flourishing and being widely taught. So you became a Gwent County councillor, and then in 1987 you became an MP. When you became an MP, Paul, what did you want to achieve? Uh, good question. I. Uh, I, I was fired up about uh, a lot of issues. I thought that uh, the Labour Party, which was, had represented the majority of uh, Welsh speakers and the majority of people in Wales for years, uh, had got themselves trapped in, uh, in arguments about the, the language instead of concentrating on the whole range of uh, political issues that we had to address. I mean, I was enthusiastic for uh, for my kids to uh, learn the language, and it, it became a, a major issue for them. So, uh, and it started off very quietly. And uh, the first thing that happened after I uh, got the school going, or started campaigning for the school, 
uh, was that we had a, a campaign for open school, and it, um, you know, we we had that, and it, it worked, and it's uh, not not very quickly, but in a steady and uh, way, uh, the so forth of the school grew over the years, and of course it's in a, in a very good position now. We have the the schools in uh, North Wales of Wales are well established, uh, supported, and it's uh, it's not like teaching a language that's spoken hundreds of miles away, or a language that died out 2,000 years ago. It's uh, a language that's still uh, lively and uh, uh, spoken with uh, fluency and distinction by a substantial part of the people of Wales. Gradually, the sting was taken out of the language division and uh, people began to see there was an enthusiasm for it for good reasons, for good educational reasons, and accepted that uh, this was a, a worthy objective of our society as it was then. And we settled down and started to work to make sure that people used the language and uh, were in their lives were enriched by that language. And it's been a happy story over those years. So when you went to the House of Commons, uh, Paul, in 1987, uh, it was the same year as Roger Morgan, actually, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And I suppose it was still, to a considerable degree, the heyday of Thatcherism, because she was in power, wasn't she, from 1979 until 1990, and the poll tax issue hadn't quite raised its head. So at that time, in the 1980s, there was a lot of unemployment, wasn't there? And um, yes. what did you want to achieve from the point of view of improving the living conditions of people in Newport, for example? Uh, certainly the uh, situation was, was a, a poor one in Newport, where we'd, uh, things had run backwards for years with housing, with, uh, uh, we, we, we had uh, an inheritance of uh, social changes that had come about. But uh, the progress had started with the, or had been strengthened, the progress had strengthened by the Atlee government, um, had uh, slowed down and it had to be given uh, new strength. And the uh, Conservatives uh, were not keen to, to do it and it was up to the new generation. There was confusion and uh, a lack of conviction among the Welsh socialists uh, about uh, our job and what we needed to do. And the people who were uh, convinced uh, idealists and uh, language enthusiasts uh, were in a small minority in the Labour Party. The Labour Party, of course, was led by Neil Kinnock. Yes. Then it was led by John Smith. Uh. And, of course, one of the great... Uh, enigmas which we'll never know the answer to is what would have happened uh, in political terms if John Smith hadn't died and if he had become the Prime Minister. Would things have been different from uh, what actually happened with Tony Blair taking over, do you think? I was a great admirer of John Smith and he was a great talented idealist uh, man of vision and uh, things would have been uh, very different if John had survived, he did have an uh, awful uh, illness, and uh, unfortunately, he uh, 
his life was uh, was sacrificed to uh, to that, and uh, he died at a, an early age, in his early fifties, I believe it was. But he was a great idealist and uh, a Scot, and uh, his was a great loss. And, because Neil, Neil Kinnock was not a, a great uh, enthusiast for the language, uh, for all kinds of strange reasons. And uh, it wasn't easy uh, to get that enthusiasm built up. Of course, Tony Blair won this landslide majority in 1997. Mm. And then, of course, there was the referendum uh, which took place yeah. in uh, September of that year which resulted in a narrow victory for the establishment of an assembly. Oh. And then there was this um, enormous controversy that uh, blew up over who was going to lead the assembly after Ron Davis was asked the picture because of the unfortunate Clapham Common incident. Yeah. And I know that you wrote a book at the time called Dragons Led by Poodles, which went into the mechanics of yeah. how the Labour Party stitched things up so that Alan Michael became the first leader of the Assembly rather than Rodri Morgan, and that was done at the instigation of Tony Blair. Looking back on that period, uh, Paul, do, do you find it incredible that there was such an attempt to impose somebody who wasn't actually the popular choice of the members of the Labour Party? In yes, uh, incredible and, and foolish. I mean, a doomed bid because... Uh, there was no time or there was no judgment on the party that would have said that uh, Alan Michael was the most popular candidate and uh, it was clearly going to lead to uh, a disaster. And he wasn't going to be accepted uh, in the long term by the party. It wasn't a simple dissent, but it, uh, uh, that was a situation that uh, he didn't have an appeal across a wide enough range. and. Uh, there was fear of Rodri, who had uh, wider fields in all kinds of areas in the party. Very foolish, I mean, it seemed there and it does now, uh, to take someone who wasn't uh, obviously grassroots member of the party. The election was a travesty, and uh, Alan won, but uh, it was the end of his glory days in the party. I think he, did, he had minor victories after that. But he ruined his reputation. And you must have been pleased recently, Paul, when the Labour Party eventually, after all these years, decided that the Electoral College wasn't the fair way to uh, elect someone, and they've <laughs> yeah. now finally gone for one member, one vote after Indeed, all these years. Yes, and democracy is brought out. Yeah. It's taken generations, centuries to work that out. That, uh, and the argument was a very artificial one. Now, you decided quite early in your political career, Paul, didn't you, that you weren't really interested in becoming a minister. Yeah. And therefore, your career was very much focused on what a backbencher could do. And yeah. uh, you wrote, uh, well, more than one book, actually, about um, the role of a backbencher. Yeah. So, and you've always had this reputation for being something of a maverick, haven't you? Because you haven't been one of those people who will just blindly follow the party whip, regardless of your own particular views. I never thought that was a high ambition, uh, to define a lowest common denominator in the party and support that. You know, we had to have uh, the party open to uh, exciting uh, ideas. 
uh, that we could chase. But we're uh, we're a very special, uh, unique uh, nation, and uh, we've served the uh, the ambition of uh, providing unique uh, contribution to uh, national life uh, that other nations have done as well. Because in those days it was looking quite um, grim for the future. It is, yes. It was very much a minority pursuit, the, uh, the national interest. Do you think the National Assembly has been a success? It's too early to say, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's right that it should be there, and there's a distinctive personality to Welsh life and to the character of the Welsh nation that demanded that it be created. You know, I, I think it, it, it's developed it, its own style and personality, and we've been blessed with some very good people in it uh, who, uh, who served it well, and uh, I think it's... Uh, It'll be judged to be a very successful experiment in, uh, in Welsh life. Inspirational people like Roger Morgan, who was a unique uh, character and found uh, his personality on the assembly and has been very successful. And I think the, you know, the, the whole of the Labour Party has, uh, has worked well. And I think if they stick to the idea of... Uh, Ten years uh, for each uh, leader of the main party to continue in existence. That could create a, a legacy, will enrich our futures in, in, the, in the coming generations. Now, despite all of your best efforts, Jeremy Corbyn decided to make you the Shadow Secretary of State for Wales. <laughs> and that obviously came at a time when a lot of the members of the Shadow Cabinet had been resigning, yeah. and then you actually stepped forward to, to fill the breach. You didn't uh, do it for an enormously long period. How did you enjoy that? Oh, glorious. Uh, I, I did explain to Jeremy as, as lucidly and clearly as possible that it couldn't possibly work, but uh, I, mean, I was happy to take it on. I'd, I'd been here nearly 30 years then, and here was a chance of uh, you know having your own spell in the House of Commons for 13 minutes once a week and taking a part in, in Labour policy making. But uh, when things settled down and the angst and the bitterness had been smoothed away, it, uh, it, my presence wasn't necessary. But I know I've been writing a chapter today of, uh, of new book about how uh, I, I look back on uh, periods where uh, I, I did serve the party. What's your assessment of the current UK government and its handling of Brexit? I, I'm utterly appalling in that uh, the, the, this is a completely soulless uh, vision of the future. Um, Brexit seems to me to be about isolation of running away from the centre of the stage and uh, trying to get... Uh, some kind of artificial separation, which is, is not required and not necessary. Do you think the Labour Party will be back in power at Westminster soon? Yeah, I think so. Because the Tories are so stupid, and that's rather we'll be back. And they, they seem to have forgotten how to win elections. And they, uh, we were very unpopular when the last general election uh, uh, was held. 
which uh, we did very well in it compared to the election a year before. So I think that uh, you know the the, the Tories who are committing political harry harry in, uh, in the way they've gone about this uh, election they seem to be designed to marry to their own uh, personality and i think the uh the moronic thing that they did was to uh, to declare that uh, we were a party that uh, was breaking up and was in great trouble with one another which was never really true and you've said that you're going to stand down uh, from Westminster yes. Hall. Are you going to do that before the next election? Or? Yes. Um, I, it, it's a question of uh, you know when the right time is. So you can see Jeremy Corbyn in Downing Street? I can. Uh, it's uh, with a son of hope. And uh, I've got great doubts about uh, Jeremy's future in the party. But... Uh, he certainly wouldn't be the worst Prime Minister we've, we've ever had, but uh, he would be uh, one that's uh, got a great deal to offer and uh, I believe would have a successful term as Prime Minister. What are you most proud of in your political <laughs> career, Paul? Uh, I, having survived it, I think. I mean, I, uh, but I uh, was very happy to uh, you know, live through some difficult times. And I'm very proud of the, the friends I had in the party. As I say, I never had any ambition to achieve any great objectives in, in politics. And I had certain uh, priorities about building uh, a nation uh, that, was, that had unique characteristics and was one that uh, we as people in Wales uh, could be proud of and I think uh, we have every reason to be proud of what we've done in Wales in establishing the pride of Welsh politics Thank you very much indeed Paul Alright <laughs> Thanks for listening to my podcast Martin Shipton Meets We'll be back for more next week